The Sophia Gray Show. (laughs) (sighs) Hello, listeners and kinky friends. Welcome to The Sophia Gray Show, where we discuss all things sex, kinks, and fetishes. From the sex stories to the latest trends in the erotic world, we talk taboo transparently. This podcast is brought to you by Sophia Gray, the largest used underwear marketplace. I'm Lacey Bloom. And I'm Tracy Bust. And I've got a question for you, Tracy. Uh Uh-huh. Why is it that when we hear something like, she's in love with Ted Bundy, we (laughs) immediately question it, yet when we hear something like, She likes to listen to true crime podcasts while drinking wine. That seems totally normal. Yeah. I mean, it's (laughs) crazy. Like, it's so funny. Like, I took a philosophy class in college, and it was part of it. It was called The Philosophy of Evil, and part of it was about not the allure of, uh, Mm. or, like, the fascination people have with serial killers, because it's, like, there's a psychology to it, and I find it... yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I'm trying to remember like what what we discussed, but just the idea of like it's something so psychotic and something so outside of ourselves that like we have a natural tendency to want to like figure it out and be allured by it. Mm-hmm. And, and like, you know what I mean? And so, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll be the first to admit to this for sure. Like it's I if you were to take a look at my Netflix queue, you would uh-huh. wonder if I was taking notes on how to become <laughs> a serial killer because yeah, I I love true crime podcasts. I love Same watching here documentaries about murderers and mm-hmm. I think um I, I also took a class in college mine was like uh intro to criminology so it was like a little less less on the psychological side but uh-huh. it was really interesting to me especially as somebody who was just getting into watching criminal minds mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that I mean it really does it just makes me wonder like I just I just wonder, I think about like why people do the things that they do. And and that's not yeah. even just as far as serial killers are concerned. That's just people in general. Like I just have a genuine mm-hmm. curiosity about humans. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's why like people are into, you know, like I'm watching that show on HBO called The Vow and it's about mm. cults. Like I do have a fascination with like, cult documentaries and like you know just like how right people can be so manipulative or manipulated and then how other people can be so manipulative and like the tactics that they use and I don't know like I feel like there and I also like you know even with like lifetime movies and like lifetime shows oh I love they're obviously yeah they're fictional but it is like you know the the show um Dirty John which I know isn't a lifetime Mm. show but you know the show Dirty John fascinates me of like Mm -hmm. how people just like crack or snap or whatever so yeah I mean there's a there's a general human fascination for it even if you're the even if you're a good person (laughs) yeah no absolutely well and so and if it is if it's not already obvious today we are diving into the mysterious allure of psychopaths and criminals Mm -hmm. just in time just in time for uh for my favorite month of the year October oh yeah perfectly fitting so Mm -hmm. of course not everyone listening to true crime podcasts wants to date a murderer I I mean I'm gonna put that out there right now because I know I love to listen to them and yet there is nothing in my body that is attracted to Ted Bundy (laughs) 
Right. So. Oh, of course. Like, I don't think anyone is, you know. I feel like there's, like, there's different this is a different type of, for me, I mean, I don't know, you know, I'm not a psychologist, but like, right. to me, it's like a different type of attraction. Like, there's the attraction you feel for someone you want to be with, and mm-hmm. that's like normal, but like, there's also an attraction phenomenon that's just feels so different. Yeah, yeah, you know? and, and we'll definitely get into that, but, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think it's, you know, like we said, there we can become very intrigued by violence in general. Sure. It's yeah. it's really it's human nature. We may be repulsed by it or saddened by it, but we also find it really fascinating. And mm-hmm. I think a major part of that fascination with serial killers and criminals, it goes back to the fact that we've eroticized killers in the media. Yeah. If you if you look at Zac Efron's interpretation of Ted Bundy or Evan Peters' character on American Horror Story or Penn Badgley's character on You, the yeah, Netflix I mean, show. I all watched of which, that show. Yeah. yeah I watched all of these. Yeah. And I think what's like so fascinating, at least with You, and I know in that show, the, oh gosh, the show that um, Michael C. Hall was on, I can't think of Dexter. it. Dexter. Dexter. Like, it's this weird thing where the main characters are acknowledging their illness. You know what I mean? Right. And it's, like, acknowledging that this is who they are. And also, like, Penn Badgley is, like, hot as fuck. And, like, he also, like, <laughs> really, there's a weird respect he has of women. I don't know. It's crazy. Yeah. No, I feel – and that's the thing, too, is I think we have to be careful when we talk about how – there are genuinely people who are attracted to psychopaths Uh and we will talk about that. But a lot of times with what we're talking about, I think, I think there's a good majority of people who are more attracted to a specific actor's portrayal of a character as they are like in contrast of, you know, being attracted to the person that this actor is playing. So, Mm But this isn't new. You know, the Mm -hmm. media has sensationalized and eroticized criminals for a long time. I mean, Netflix has gone as far as issuing statements that say there are many other hot men on Netflix, most of whom are not serial killers. Yeah. (laughs) But we are definitely obsessed with true crime media. And yes, author and professor of criminology Scott Bond addressed this and said that true crime media triggers the most basic and powerful emotion in all of us, which is fear. And there's something about fear that also, I think, I think fear releases a lot of the same feelings and emotions that sex does. And interesting. Another reason for our intrigue into the mind of serial killers is the psychology aspect of it. I mean, mm-hmm. we both said we're very fascinated by just the human psyche in general, the idea that the human mind can be so twisted into committing crimes like these, you know, whether it's murder or, you know, like Tracy mentioned, leading a cult. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> And uh, one of the defining qualities of a psychopath is superficial charm and glibness, Yeah, which may explain why people who commit serious crimes are often referred to their friends and family as like, quote, not being the type to do so. I mean, 
that's that's the first thing people usually think of when they think of Ted Bundy. Is, yeah, because you know, they would be like, I would, n- I never would think blah 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 blah. Right, you know? right. Yeah. Oh well, he was such a nice guy. Yeah. I never would have thought this. You know, because we we have this idea that of like what a serial killer or murderer or psychopath is supposed to look like. Yeah, and then when we see that that image subverted completely by reality, mm-hmm. our brain doesn't really know what to do with it and I think a lot of the times we get we become afraid but we also become very intrigued Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. by those differences so one of the reasons that Scott Bond the same criminologist thought that we might be intrigued by true crime is as a way of subconsciously preparing ourselves for the worst yeah Mm -hmm. which I I think that's really interesting that he mentioned that because it's it's this idea that some of us watch true crime documentaries and listen to podcasts as a way of facing our fears without any real element of danger being yeah. present. I saw like, this one sketch one time at a comedy show and it was like about um, it was took place in a female like it was a woman's defense class and all they did mm. was um, listen to a true crime <laughs> podcast <laughs> like that was the way. <laughs> I like that. Like, how would you fight back in this case? You know, I mean, Uh because because it's, you know, nobody again, this isn't this isn't to say that people who are interested in reading about crime and the people who commit these crimes, that they want to go out there and experience these things firsthand. Yes, Um, of course. Hopefully most of these people won't experience these crimes firsthand. And Mm -hmm. so without actually experiencing the danger or trauma associated with a violent attack, people can subconsciously develop different coping mechanisms for how they handle themselves in that type of situation. Mm-hmm. And again, it's, it's all very hypothetical. Like, oh, right. if this were to happen to me, dot, dot, dot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. And, the, and then the other the other thing is that it genuinely could be a sexual thing. Um, mm-hmm. We know from experience that there's a fetish for just about everything. Sure, yeah. The fetish for sexual arousal that's triggered by a partner who is known to have committed a serious crime is called hybristophilia. Huh. And in fact, this is sometimes referred to as the Bonnie and Clyde syndrome. Okay. Which I, you know... Sure. There you go. There's Uh there's the way to start. We do have to acknowledge the fact that there are I mean, it's very easy for us to say, oh, my gosh, we're absolutely not attracted to serial killers. But this could be a sexual thing for some people. I mean, there's no denying the facts. We have somebody like Ted Bundy, who, while in jail, received fan mail from Mm -hmm. women all over the world. Not to mention the fact that his wife stayed by his side the entire trial. Mm-hmm. She always believed he was innocent. Oh, wow. And, and he's not the only one. Um, it's said that H.H. H. Holmes, who is also known as America's first serial murderer, uh-huh. had multiple mistresses, girlfriends, lovers, wow. most of whom he killed later on. <laughs> wow. And then you have Richard Ramirez and Charles Manson and Jeffrey oh, yeah. Dahmer. All of them received prison fan mail, underwear, nudes from people who were infatuated with them regardless of the yeah. horrible crimes that they committed. So mm-hmm. 
back to hybristophilia, okay. aka Bonnie and Clyde syndrome. <laughs> there are two types of hybristophiles, according to psychology today. So passive hybristophilia means that the person has no desire to participate in the criminal activity themselves, but they do become aroused and are sexually attracted to others who commit those offenses. Mm-hmm. So this is where you would probably hear um, about, this is where we would call like prison groupies, the ones okay. that send fan mail and their their underwear and their nudes, whatever it is, to these killers, but they don't pursue actually taking part in the crimes themselves. Right. Okay. Aggressive hybristophilia. I'm sure you can already guess <laughs> where oh this boy. one's yeah. going. Uh-huh. But aggressive hybristophilia is more hands-on. This is where people want to actively help criminals commit the crimes or flee from them and sometimes even participate in luring victims or covering up crimes their partner has committed. So Mm -hmm. passive hybristophilia is definitely more common. um, And we Uh see this in just the sheer amount of criminals in prison for life who have their admirers sending them, you know, panties by the bag load. Wow. But we've also seen plenty of serial killers who, um, I mean, the first one I think of is Charles Manson, and Same, um, yeah. mm-hmm. having basically created this cult-like atmosphere and having people then join in and, you know, kill people with him, for him. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's again, they, they do exist. There are people that are attracted to psychopaths or, mm-hmm. you know, people who have committed serious crimes. Uh-huh, so uh-huh, uh-huh. I know this is starting to feel like a college classroom, but there <laughs> are good. there Professor are Lacey. <laughs> Professor Hello. Yeah. <laughs> there are a couple other terms that I do want to clarify, because while you might initially be skeptical and, and rightly so, don't get me wrong, of mm-hmm. the appeal of criminals when it comes down to it, we're, we're all people and yeah. some people are what we might consider monsters but they're also still people their hearts still beat their blood pumps they're human beings mm-hmm. um they're most of the time individuals whose brains are just wired differently than ours and we can't help but wonder about why they do the things they do and yeah. whether that's right or wrong it's it's fascinating so sure. Here's the part that interests me the most, because this was actually something that I talked about recently with somebody, and I, I'm really struggling to remember why the topic came up. And Oh, you know, just the serial killer. <laughs> right. You know, I, I mean, and I, like I said, I'm a... I'm a true crime fan. Sure. I do watch, I do watch the documentaries. I do listen to podcasts, but... I I really somehow the topic came up about when we watch movies that are about real life killers uh-huh. and how when we do see when we watch movies featuring male serial killers they're often much more frequently romanticized and eroticized than female serial killers and right. that was something yeah. that I found really interesting because I know when I the first thing I think about when I think about a movie or some sort of piece of media that's been made about female serial killers, 
the first thing I think about is Charlize Theron in Monster. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely, yeah. You have to admit, I mean, Charlize Theron in Monster, her, just the visual of her character is polar opposite from Zac Efron as Ted Bundy. Yeah, like they really like made, got into her character like, as sad. Like they made her character so sad Whereas, like, this thing with Ted Bundy is that they, yeah, they sexualized him, you know? It's really, it's really, and I know, and we know that Ted Bundy was, like, a very, you know, he he had a charisma that yeah. really mm-hmm. did entrance a lot of people. He was, I guess, by all accounts, a good-looking guy. Although, for me, it's hard to even see that because of knowing the things he did. Mm-hmm. So, um, but the other thing about that is that women do tend to prefer true crime podcasts and shows over male viewers. Uh And this was a study a social psychologist did and revealed that the majority of people who do ingest true crime media, and I think in this case they were specifically talking about podcasts, were women. And then historically, male serial killers have been more fawned over by the media. So, Uh I mean, I think those tie hand in hand. When you talk about just the podcasts and movies and everything that are that are uh, that are being made about true crime cases or serial mm-hmm. killers you know you already have a a much more female influenced audience you okay. have mostly women watching and listening to this this to the subject matter which right. is interesting I, I'm curious I'm almost curious why it's why more women are interested in it but um, I, mean, I I wonder if it's just like society, you know, the way, you know, society kind of grooms women to be a certain way. You know what I mean? Like the well, idea. And more fearful. Yeah. Like I feel like, yeah, you know, as yeah. women, you know, we, we talked about it earlier, but it's one of the first things associated with this is the fear. And like, how can mm-hmm. I how can I prepare myself? Like by listening to this, I kind of like can listen to what could happen to me. Um, right. Because a lot of the cases that we also are being shown and told about in podcasts are from male serial killers mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. as opposed to female serial killers. And so it's I, I think it's a combination of women having the tendency to prepare ourselves for the worst because we're taught mm-hmm. from a very young age to be afraid of everything. Of course. And yeah. and mixing that with the fact that most of the stories that we're being told by the media mm-hmm. are stories about male serial killers. Right, yeah. So, I mean, even if you just look at the headlines for newspapers, th- male serial killers seem to get much more attention than female sure. serial killers. And yeah. what this really annoys me, when female serial killers do appear in the media – the nicknames they're given often denote their gender. So something like Jolly Jane or Tiger Woman, whereas with male serial killers, they're often given names that immediately suggest brutality and violence, Mm -hmm. like Jack the Ripper or the Kansas City Slasher. And I mean, these names just reinforce the stereotype of male serial killers being strong and aggressive Mm -hmm. and fearful and Mm -hmm. something about that makes it much more alluring to the general public it's right it's the language we use to describe them which 
sort of allows us to fetishize male offenders over female offenders. Uh-huh. So it becomes this idea that we see male killers described as charming and irresistible, whereas female killers are usually quiet or mm-hmm. unassuming. You know, yeah. nobody, you couldn't have picked her out of a lineup. Nobody would have noticed her. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, it's it's really interesting because I think this is something that, you know, I mentioned Jack the Ripper. This is clearly not a new case. Like, this is something that has been exploited in the media for years and years that I think we've just become so accustomed to at this point. Right. Yeah. That it's become the norm. So one thing, and this, I guess, makes sense to me as well. And again, this is the story we've been fed, is that hybristophilia is more prevalent in women than men. Mm -hmm. And experts seem to agree that one of the reasons it might be more common for women is the allure of reforming a bad boy. Yeah, yeah, I see that. Yeah. Because we love to change our men. We we <laughs> we want to be the one that saves him, you know? We want to be the one that he changes his ways for. Mm-hmm. Ain't that right, ladies? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and then the other reason that women might fall for criminal types is the fame. It's the fame yeah, aspect. It's sure. celebrity status. It's attractive to most people. And really, regardless of how you get there, there are people who will latch onto that success and feed off of it like succubus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure. Yeah. None of what I'm saying is that there are more male serial killers than female serial killers or there are, you know, only women experiencing hybristophilia and attraction to to men who are killers. No, I, I don't have research to back up like the um the attraction between same sex couples. Mm-hmm. I don't you know, I don't have all everything behind all of that. So, but that's just to say that the most common things we're seeing is that men and male serial killers are often the ones shown to be, you know, more fond over by both the media and the people taking in that media and that women are more often the ones experiencing the attraction. So now some mental health experts have compared the infatuation with killers to be a form of extreme fanaticism, okay. which is, you know, basically devotion or zeal towards something or someone. And mm-hmm. every case can be different, but there are some commonalities between women who experience fanaticism for serial killers. Okay. So most of them are in their 30s or 40s. Mm-hmm. Most of them believe this person is innocent. Okay. And I I thought that was really interesting because I thought that yeah. kind of went against the whole idea of like wanting to be the one for this this killer to change. Like mm-hmm. I thought that would be like the main reason, but um no, according to CNN, most of these women truly do believe that their boyfriend, lover, husband, whoever this person is, that they are innocent of the things that they have been accused of. So, Wow, yeah. Oh, God. Even if they see the proof, even if they see evidence to say otherwise, which I don't know. That's 
that seems like something to see your doctor about. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. At that point, it's but you know what? I yeah, that's never mind. I could go very political right now, but I won't. <laughs> According to Sheila Eisenberg, I think it's Eisenberg, author of the book Women Who Love Men Who Kill, mm-hmm. many of the women she interviewed who were in relationships with prisoners were also in it for the power and intimacy. So these women that she spoke to said that dating someone who is serving a life sentence often involves an intense level of courtship. And that might be that he paints pictures for you. He writes poems for you. He writes you letters. And, you know, they would call this a very romantic relationship, which if you think outside of, you know, the context of one of the partners being in prison for killing people, it does seem very romantic. Yeah, absolutely. But when you couple that with the fact that many of these women came from abusive childhoods and Mm -hmm. had lived through a fair amount of trauma, Mm -hmm. I mean, really, you're seeing these women being victimized and I think a word we use a lot in the world of true crime is groomed you see them being groomed by their partners um, because they see them as somebody that they can manipulate they can court them they can show them love and intimacy Mm -hmm. without even having to like be around them all the time right yeah and those women will eat up that attention because they haven't experienced that before So it's, again, I mean, it just seems like another form of manipulation Mm -hmm. on the behalf of these, you know, serial killers and prisoners. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the most common reasons people end up falling in love with or becoming obsessed with criminal types, including serial killers, is known as the savior complex. And this, this kind of ties back into this idea that... You are the one, perhaps the only one, who could rescue or save this damaged person that you're pursuing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we talked about how most of the women do believe in the innocence of these people that they're pursuing, but they also, a lot of them do believe that they're going to be the ones to change their ways. Right. And this, this also speaks to why being attracted to serial killers is predominantly a female thing as the savior complex is it's it's slightly more common in women than in men many people who have this kind of background often find themselves in the healthcare mm-hmm. mental health care or social work fields some huh. people might volunteer at a homeless shelter and some people date serial killers you know i mean there's yeah. <laughs> The savior complex can explain both types of behavior, even though one is clearly, you know, much more dangerous and Mm -hmm. dare I say disturbing than the other. So, I mean, it's it's again, it's a you I, I mean, I always think about and I know it's fiction, but I think about sort of the origin story between the Joker and Harley Quinn. Just about to say that. Yeah, it definitely feels that way. She was a doctor. She was a doctor who fell for a man who saw something in her that he could manipulate Mm -hmm. and he could give her what she was looking for. So Yeah, it's so crazy because I watched the um, adult animated series 
Harley mm. Quinn and like that same thing same story and also she came from an abusive background they mentioned and yeah it all makes sense for sure it's so interesting again I mean it's it makes me just as interested in learning more about the people who do fall in love with serial killers or have this hyper-sexualized view of serial killers yeah. as I do with the serial killers themselves. Like, mm-hmm. I really do want to understand, like, how people's brains function. Yeah, but absolutely. neither of us are doctors, so <laughs> <laughs> okay. we are going off of, you know, good old research on the uh-huh. internet. But, yeah, okay, so I think I think you'll appreciate this because this is where things get a little wackadoodle. So mm-hmm. let's talk the many other ways people get their kicks from hardened criminals. And by far the most common place you'll find this type of behavior is the internet. Makes sense. Makes sense. Mm, Right? I mean, you know, we all know there's a porn for that, for everything, (laughs) right? Sure, yeah. You know, say, say, um, you know, you're not romantically entangled with a serial killer. Mm -hmm. You have options. You've got hashtag prison bay okay um which i i'm legit serious this is you know an age of hashtags and trending topics we're living in and Uh hashtag prison bay along with hashtag felon crush friday oh my god on both twitter and instagram allow people to share photos of incarcerated criminals wow (laughs) Um, there's also judging hot mug shots. Yeah, so. I remember then when that one <laughs> hot mug shot came out and when the guy got out of jail, he became a model. Do you remember that? <sighs> yeah, it's, yeah. um, you know, <laughs> I just don't know. But, um, this is, yeah, again, this is where people just usually rate the, they rate the felons, quote unquote, rate, mostly by their mug wow. shots. It's, it's a, you know, it's a version of hot or not that... Mm-hmm. is played in usually the comment section of, you know, posts you might see on like Instagram or Reddit. Yeah. And um, then you have the real dedicated folks who collect serial killer memorabilia because it is, again, quotation marks, art. So, yeah. okay, yeah. You know, from the Zodiac Killer to Ed Kemper to, you know, of course, Ted Bundy and beyond, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the amount of merchandise that is out there And I'm not talking about merchandise featuring like Zac Efron on it. Like here is Zac Mm -hmm. Efron on as Ted Bunny. I'm talking about legit merchandise that's out there to promote these criminals Mm -hmm. will blow your mind. They've got shirts, paintings, posters, bumper stickers. Oh my God. Uh, You can really, I mean, you can find things that were touched or owned by these various killers in auctions there is the fabulous website serialkillershop.com so I mean you can you can see how the fetishization of criminals is it's it's so embedded in our society at this point sure yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, of course, there are the communities of people who thrive off of each other. So mm-hmm. forums dedicated to certain criminals or serial killers exist. You can discuss whether you believe they're innocent. You can share information you've gathered with other like-minded people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, it's it. I think that's different than 
necessarily having a forum in a space like a podcast group dedicated to true crime or serial killers. Right. There, there's, yeah, yeah, yeah. there's a big difference between discussing it with people who are interested in the psychology of this aspect, like we are, versus having a discussion with people who genuinely are out to prove this person's innocence despite the evidence given. So mm-hmm. I would just say, you know, be aware if you are somebody that's really interested in serial killer fandom, Mm-hmm. be aware of what your interest is. You know, are you interested in that specific serial killer or their violent crimes? Or mm-hmm. are you interested in learning more about why people do the things that they do? There, there, there are very different ways. And, and you know what? I'm not, we're not here to yuck anybody's yum. So, I mean, regardless of your kink or fetish, you know that there are healthy ways to express your desires, even mm-hmm. if the behavior itself is unhealthy. So right. um, the most important things to remember when dealing with unorthodox or taboo kinks and fetishes are these. One, is it illegal or immoral? So if you are having desires to do things that are not legal or that are unethical, such as having sex with a minor, you can seek professional help and find resources that will allow you to deal with your urges in a healthier way and Uh and know that you're not alone. Um, You're not alone. It is possible to find help when you need it. That's good because I feel like people would think like, oh my God, what if I, you know, someone thinks I'm disgusting but like you know I think it's good that there are people out there that can help you and better you get the help you know and even feel embarrassed ashamed you know I I I don't want people to feel shame but better you experience those feelings than you go out and actively try to pursue fulfilling something dangerous and unethical so right yeah the second thing to consider is is this damaging to my sexual health and mental wellness so Mm -hmm. if you find that you are consumed with the idea of dating a criminal or serial killer so much to the point where you are actively searching out dangerous situations and putting yourself or others in harm's way you also might want to seek help to better cope with the urges that you're having. Yeah. So it's, you know, I mean, who are we to judge when it comes to kinks or fetishes? Because however either of us or anybody listening might feel about the idea of being in love with or fetishizing a serial killer, I will say in a world where we fetishize and romanticize violence in so many different ways, you know, mm-hmm. consciously or not, are we really all that surprised when a woman wants to marry a mass murderer or when someone wants to go to school with the Zodiac killer's sign sprawled across their sweater? Like, I mean, in yeah. this day and age, I, I, I always think about like, as long as something you're into is not putting yourself or other people at in harm's way. Yeah. I don't think that you have too much to worry about. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. However, again, if you do feel like you, you know, this is something that you you can't live without, that you are maybe experiencing signs of hyperstophilia, like we described, that might be something to explore with a medical professional and you know, step away from the next Ted Bundy documentary. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
This was a fascinating episode. Yeah, this was absolutely fascinating to hear. Yeah, this, you know what I mean? This is your yeah. true crime kink crossover podcast. Yeah, right. Serial so, meets Sophia Gray. <laughs> just in time for Halloween. Yeah. Whether you're looking to buy or sell used panties, Sophia Gray has got you covered. If you want to earn some extra cash, you can set up your own shop in minutes and start selling your own used underwear. And they take no commission. You'll keep 100% of every single sale that you make. If you got a kink for used panties and you're looking to buy your next pair, look no further. Oh, and the whole process is completely anonymous. Sophia Gray will never share, store, or archive your personal information. The name Sophia Gray won't even appear on your bank receipt. So head on over to sophiagray.com to start selling or buying used panties now. If you're a fan of the podcast, we hope you'll subscribe on your favorite podcast streaming platform. You can also leave us a review on Apple Podcasts to let us know what you think. And while you're at it, feel free to share your feedback or questions by sending us an email to podcast at sophiagray.com. Until next time, I'm Lacey Bloom. And I'm Tracy Bust. And we're here to say, let them be kinky. There's no kink shaming here.